Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 390 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I am so thrilled that you are here with me today as we are talking to Sarah Adler. And we are talking about the importance of premise versus plot, which is always a bugbear of mine. Um, I have great premises, plots not so much. We also talk about one of my favorite topics of all, which is the subject of rest, the importance of kindness. So that is all coming up and I know you're going to love it. What has been going on around here? A lot. I am prepping for my nano book and I am also revising Unstuck. I got the copy edits back. They're fantastic. Katrina is amazing. And um, I'm kind of flying through them. I have booked my proofreader. And as soon as I finish the copy edits, even before I do the proofread, because that'll only be changing very minor, minor things, um, tiny, tiny little things that I add in terms of errors to the manuscript after I get the copy edit back, because that always happens, I will still be able to start work on the audiobook. And I'm so excited about that. Once the audiobook is done, I can really start working on launching the Kickstarter for it. Oh, I'm excited. First Kickstarter, you're going to hear all about it, how it is to go through, whether I think it is worth it, all of those things. So I am glad that you're going to be coming along on that ride with me. And thank you for doing that. So uh, that has been going on a lot of work. Also, I am very happy to be teaching at the Surrey International Writers Conference this week, which is hands down my favorite writing conference that I have ever attended. They have an in-person component up uh, near Vancouver in uh, Canada, and they have also an online component. So I don't even need to travel from New Zealand, although I do wish I was there because there are so many awesome writers there and friends and new students, um, but I will be able to teach at a distance. But I've been putting a lot of work into these three classes that I am teaching. So that has kind of been consuming my brain pan as well. It's, it feels like it's been a very busy week. And then also teaching and leading the 90 days to done and 90 day revision and 90 day grads. So yes, a busy little bee am I. And um Right now, I would like to answer some of the mini coaching questions that I usually do on a bonus mini episode, but I don't really have time to do that this week. And there's only two questions in here. However, they've been here for a while, so I've been feeling guilty and I want to answer these two questions, one from Louisa, one from Mariah. And then I will encourage you, if you are a patron at the $5 level, you can ask me any questions. You can use me as your coach. And I don't have any questions. I'm going to answer these two and then I don't have any backed up. And I have this new really cool thing that you could do, which is go to rachelheron.com slash record, rachelheron.com slash record. If you are a patron at the $5 level or up a month, ask me any question and you can record yourself asking it. You do not have to do that. You can also just send them to me in email or on Patreon, wherever is most comfortable for you. Although email might be better because Patreon sometimes kind of hides questions from me for a while until I go in and remember to look for them. I don't always get the notification. Uh, but if you want to record it, how fun would that be? I would love to hear your voice on this show. I'd love to be able to play it. So 
rachelheron.com slash record. If you have a question that you want me to answer and you don't mind me playing it on the air, that would be so cool. Please be the first or the second. Um, Please come do that. But for right now, before we get into the interview, let's do these two questions. All right. So from Louisa, my first book uh, is as good as I can make it by myself. I got positive comments from people close to me, and now I'm feeling confident enough to look for an editor on Read Z. I'm wondering if you have any tips on what to write in the initial message to potential editors. Thank you so much, and I hope all is great with you. So that is so, so, so exciting. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I truly, deeply, 100% recommend Read Z as a place to find editors. It is, in fact, where I found this new proofreader of mine. If you go to rachelaron.com slash readsy, I think there's some kind of discount in it for you and a perk for me, although I don't remember what it is, but um, readsy vets all of their editors. They have all worked in the industry. They have proven track records. They have reviews and God knows I love a review. So readsy is a fantastic place to look for editors. And this question of what to write in the initial message to potential editors, you can keep it really simple. I have written a memoir about growing up with um, two moms and two dads. It is complete at 70,000 words. I'm looking for a developmental editor who will help me see where where I can improve this manuscript while being kind and encouraging. That's an example of something you could write. That's all you would need to write. But the things to take from that are what do you need? What are you looking for? Are you looking for developmental editing or are you looking for line editing or copy editing? Um, You want to give them just a tiny bit about your genre and what the book is about, but it doesn't have to be a lot. But the most important thing is what kind of editor are you looking for? Some people say, I want everything. I want hardcore, teach me as much as you can, tell me as much as you can, be as mean, in quote marks, as you can. I love to learn that way. You get to tell them that. If you are brand new to this and you are worried about getting crushed by criticism, you get to tell them that. You can say, I am brand new to this. This would be my first edit. I am worried about being crushed by criticism and I'm looking for somebody who will thoughtfully critique me and help me learn uh, while being kind and encouraging. The editor that you reach out to who can't do that will tell you, I'm not your person. I'm not your editor. This is not for me. Or they will just decline. They might not even explain it. They'll say, I'm too busy, not interested. We want to ask for exactly what we need. And then we also want to get some sample edits. So I think you can get four or five sample edits on Readsy. So find the four or five people that you are most interested in, ask them for a sample edit. Of course, you cannot get a developmental edit sample on Readsy because a developmental edit looks at your whole book and they're only gonna be looking at a couple of pages. So what you're really getting back from them is a line edit slash copy edit. And that's okay because you want to see how they react to your work, what they say about it, and how they say it. Send the same sample to different editors and then pick the one or two that you really resonate with the most and engage them in further conversation about how much they would charge because everybody is an independent contractor on there. They all charge different amounts. And what their timeline is, some people will have a phone call with you um, or a Zoom call. Some people don't have time to do that. 
but you can ask about that. You want to pick someone who gets you, who gets your work, that you can see by the way that they're reacting to your work, that they are interested and intrigued um, and they want to work with you. They're excited to work with you and to help you learn how to make this book better. So my answer to this question is ask for exactly what you want in terms of handling, how you want this editor to handle you. And um, Larissa, keep me posted. And I'm sorry that it took me so long to get back to your question. I apologize. Okay, this next question is from Mariah, who says, I have a workflow question for you. I write in Scrivener and I love it, but my copy editor works in Word. So I'll export a Word file from Scrivener and she'll make her edits in the Word file. What do you do when you get copy edits back? Is the Word file now your master file? And do you use that to eventually export to EPUBs or and such? Or do you transfer all the edits to Scrivener and export for, for publication from there? Also, I'd love to hear your, about your naming conventions for files. How can you keep straight which version is the most recent one and how final it is? I'm getting nervous about losing work or accidentally uploading something unfinished or making edits in the wrong document, things like that. Okay, so there's a lot in here. And if you are not at this spot yet and this kind of chat chat makes you nervous, just skip forward, please. Um, but a lot of people like to get into the nitty gritty of this and so do I. So yes, I work in Scrivener because I love Scrivener. You don't have to work in Scrivener, but if you love it, if it works for you, great. But industry standard for all editors is Microsoft Word. So you do have to have Word at some point, even if you're on a Mac, most editors will not work in pages, um, just buy Mac or rent it or whatever it is you do with Mac nowadays. And uh, sorry, I'm taking off my sweat. That's the buttons you hear clanging around. Um, you'll send your document to your editor in Word, and then they will send it back to you with track changes on. For me, it really depends on what stage I am at, whether I put it back into Scrivener. Normally when I get edits back from an editor, I am now doomed to stay in Word for the rest of this book's life. It just is. Uh, but not that long ago, I had a book, um, I think it was Hush Little Baby, where I sent an, a really early draft to my editor. And rather than sending me a document back with track changes, um, she just sent me a revision letter and said, these are the things I think you could work on. And they were really big picture nothing in the manuscript itself, but really big picture stuff. So I just remained in Scrivener and did all my edits in there, which is what I prefer. Scrivener for me is easier to navigate. Once you're in a Word document, it's one long, huge document and you're jumping around, moving back and forth, moving things, and it can get confusing. But once you have that document with all of the track changes in it, what I do is I work my way through it, whether it is developmental edits or if it's copy edits, I work my way through it top to bottom doing the changes, making the revisions as I go. I don't bother accepting anything. There's this thing where you accept the change. Uh, I don't bother to accept anything until the very end, until I'm all the way done and I have addressed everything on it. If, the, if they've made a change and I like it, they've put a comma here or changed a word there, um, you can just ignore it. Because at the very end, you can hit accept all changes and boom, all the changes go away and now it's in there and then you can delete all the comments. That's how I do, that's how I run it. And now we have a clean copy. When I am doing that, I generally, okay, so on my computer, I, I back everything up to Dropbox so that looks like a file on my computer and I will have a book, uh, I will have a file for the book. So right now I'm working on Unstuck. I have a file 
or unstuck. Inside unstuck, I have another file folder that says unstuck drafts. And that's where I file all old drafts. Once I am in Word, basically I do a save as every day with the date. So unstuck, 10, 18, 23. And then the next day I'm going to do a save as unstuck, 10, I forgot what date I said, 19, 10, 20, 23. It's just the six digits for what day I'm working on. And honestly, I would like to do that every day, but a lot of times I forget. So it'll be like a week later but I don't call anything final. And I have tons and tons and tons of these drafts and I can roll back at any time. And I shove them into that drafts folder. So I don't really have to look at them anytime. And I just pull out the most recent one. Therefore, I always know what is most recent and I don't call anything final ever. I, If I am at that point when you know I'm thinking about this as a final draft, it's really the only one I can see inside that file folder. It'll be the only one that is outside. And that's the one I'll send to my proofer, say, or my formatter or whatever it is I'm doing. It's always going to be the most recent version. And it can have a date in it because it will not export um, to the book format with a date in it. For me, I use Vellum to format my self-published books. And in Vellum, you just open and import a Word document, and then you put in the title and the name and the publisher, and you do all the formatting inside there. I do not use Scrivener to export for publication. Um, I used to back in the days before Vellum, which is a fantastic prog program for Mac, and I recommend it. If you have a PC, I also recommend Atticus um, or Draft2 Digital. You can do that for free there. But Scrivener, I only use for first and second and third drafts for myself. Once it has left my desk and I get back that big old Word document with track changes, I regretfully abandoned Scrivener. I often open Scrivener because there's a lot of research in there. There's title ideas, there's acknowledgements. I always keep a list of people I'm gonna thank. Um, that's all gonna remain in there. But yeah, once I'm in the Word, I'm in the Word. Yeah, it's, it's problematic. And I think I answered all the questions in there. Uh, per perhaps, in two day detailed a manner. I hope some of you enjoyed that. All right. Now I want to jump into the interview with Sarah. And here's a little bio for Sarah. Sarah Adler writes romantic comedies about lovable weirdos finding their, finding their happily ever afters. She lives in Maryland with her husband and daughter and spends an inordinate amount of time yelling at her mischievous cat to stop opening the kitchen cabinets. Mrs. Nash's Ashes is her debut novel. Please enjoy this absolutely delightful interview. And please get some of your own writing done. And please, if you are at that Patreon level, come leave me a voice message. I would love to get a little voicemail, rachelheron.com slash record. All right. We'll talk to you soon, writers. Bye. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelheron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I'm so pleased to welcome you to the show. I can't wait to talk about your gorgeous book. Um, will you please share your name and your pronouns with us? Uh, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. My name is Sarah Adler. My pronouns are she and her. Thank you, Sarah. Your debut novel, Mrs. Nash's Ashes, was just an absolute delight. It was one of those books that I needed to read. You know, it was just 
exactly what I wanted to fall into. So um, thank you for writing it. And I would love to talk to you about your process, but let me, um, before we do that, how does it feel to have your debut novel out there out in the world? Um, it feels good. It's also, it's, it's really interesting because like publishing takes so long. Um, so it feels really nice to have it out there. Um, but at the same time, I also spent the week leading up to release day working on book two. I was like, what a very tight deadline for revisions on that. And so that kind of kept me from getting to in my head, uh, which was nice. Um, and then I'm also drafting book three. So it's like one of those things that it's really nice to have it out and to have this thing in the world and have it in reader hands. But at the same time, my I've mentally like somewhat moved on a bit. So it's kind of a weird, yeah. a weird thing to like be constantly thinking about these characters again after so long away from them. I completely forget my characters too. So that when the book comes out, I'm like, I don't even know how to talk about this book anymore. What were their <laughs> names? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So where does writing fit into your life? What does what your writing process look like? Yeah. Um, so I am fortunate enough to do this full time now. Yeah. Um, I started writing as a stay-at-home mom. Uh, my daughter, I, I left my job when my daughter was about four months old um, and started writing when she was about a year old. And so um a lot of the time used to be like sneaking off to Starbucks in the evenings for like two hours and just getting out like 2,500 words real quick uh, when I could. Um, and so my process is really, really different now um, because I have all day to do it, uh, but I also have all these other publishing tasks to do, like, yeah. um, you know, blurbing other books and things like that that are really, really fun, but I have to kind of figure out when is the best time to be creative and when is the best time for sort of administrative stuff. And my daughter is now five. So like she's got her whole thing that I have to worry about, you know, extracurriculars and daycare and um, sick days and all that. I wind up being the one who, who does that. So it's really a balance of like when my brain is ready, when I am free um, and just kind of sitting down and making myself do it because I've noticed that without that time pressure, sometimes it's really easy to just be like, well, I just maybe won't write today. It's fine. Um, yeah. And so I spend probably like two to three hours most of most days, like actually trying to write, whether it works or not is a different story. Um, I usually do it here in my home office. Uh, sometimes I need to change a scenery and move to the couch or the bed, uh, Sometimes I go out to coffee shops, things like that. Um, so it's kind of just a, what is feeling right at the moment. Um, and then I just do my best. I also do a lot of just like thinking time. I go on drives, talk it out with my husband. He's like a really good person to bounce ideas off of. Um, and yeah, I mean, go for walks, things that are downtime where I'm thinking about the story, but not actively putting words on the page. And I've learned that that's equally valuable. Have you ever delved into the Clifton strengths with the whole Becca Syme cohort or anything like that? No, um, I don't know what that is, actually. Oh, Google Clifton strengths and then Becca and it will come up. But uh, she does. She works with Clifton Strengths, with her, uh, which are a way to look at your 34 top strengths that everyone has. Um, and intellection is one that many writers have, and it means that we need that 
that time processing. We need the thinking time, which sometimes we can forget to to make ourselves have when we're like, I'm on production, I'm going to do my 2,500 words and then I'm going to revise them. Um, But we have to, a lot of us, not everybody, but a lot of us have to have the walks and the showers and the, Hmm. for me, it's lying on the floor in the office and like looking up at the ceiling. That's prime, prime time for me. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Um, I would say my biggest challenge is that the way my brain works, I cannot understand structure the way that a lot of people do. I've had to feel my way into pacing and plotting and things like that um, through a lot of trial and error. I've read so many craft books and I've looked at worksheets and I've tried really hard, but I cannot fill out a beat sheet to save my life. Like even after I have finished the book, I have no idea what the beats are. Um, Anytime (laughs) I look at examples. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime I look at examples online where they break down a book I've read, I'm like, I don't understand this at all even. Um, And so I think that there's a challenge there for me of having to feel my way through every single book Mm -hmm. um, and what is right where and not being able to kind of outline or plan ahead in the way that a lot of my friends do, um, where they have these really nice spreadsheets and they know exactly what beats they're hitting when. I'm just like, yeah, this feels right here. Like, no, this doesn't feel right here. And I mean, it's gotten a lot easier as I've gone, um, just kind of feeling out what's right. But I think that I probably waste, not wasted, because I learned a lot, but like, I mean, I have two shelved manuscripts of me feeling my way through this stuff before I I figured it out. So that's probably the most challenging. That is, that is a big challenge. Did you suffer the second book blues with your second book? Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Tell Uh, tell me about that if you don't mind. I did too. um, So my, my second book that is being published, um, the second manuscript I wrote, no, I was, we were a week into the pandemic and I was like, very happy to have something to focus my brain on um, that came out pretty easily. Um, but the book, the the book that will be my second published novel, um, it was hard. Like I actually am working on the behind the book essay right now. And um, it was one of those things where the premise actually started as a joke and then I couldn't let go of it. And I just kept thinking about it more seriously and more seriously until it became a full idea. And so I was like, okay, this is a really silly premise. And then I sat down and it kept coming out kind of sad. And I was like, what is going on with me? Like, why can't I get the tone right? And it was because I was sad. Like, it was a hard Mm -hmm. time for me, um, you know, trying to get a book into the world and dealing with publishing as a career. And um, my daughter had just started daycare for the first time. And I had just like a lot going on. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have feelings that I can no no longer suppress and they're coming out on the page. Um, So the second book was very much learning to be patient with myself, learning that it was okay to sort of balance the humor with some of these other things I was feeling and wanting to put into the story that felt right. And it took, it took a long time. I mean, I started writing it in early February of 2022 I guess that was. And I finished it. I had to ask for two extensions. um, And I wound up finishing it like right after Thanksgiving. And that was a long time for me. I usually could do like a three month drafting process. Um, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that seems to be the new normal. Uh, I think I'm now, it's now going to take me about six to nine months to write a book, but that's okay. Um, That's that's, that's awesome. And I 
And I'm sure that there is a, a, a true vein of richness in that book because of the emotions that you're dealing with and swirling around and putting into the book. I'm, I'm positive. That's a, that is one of the benefits of having stupid feelings in, the, in ourselves and in our books. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, I mean, so, so my answer is different. The writing process, my joy is when it's going well, obviously. Um, when I am just like very sure of a good chunk of dialogue or a good joke or something to center a scene around, and then it winds up good on the page and it's just all like very nice. And, um, I feel like I know what I'm doing and that's always great. Um, but then I think on the publishing side, um, my greatest joy has been just hearing from readers how much my work means to them. I wrote my, I wrote Mrs. Nash's Ashes not knowing it would be published. I hoped so, but I didn't have any certainty. I'd already been through this with two manuscripts and that didn't go anywhere. And so the first time somebody told me like that they read it at the time they needed it and it helped them process their grief or something like that, I was like, oh, whoa, like this has the ability to affect people. Um, you changed lives. You're changing lives it's, because your it's words very are out there. Weird. Um, or even just like cheering people up, like giving them a laugh when they need it. I really love hearing from readers that they laughed or that it brought them joy or that it helped them through a tough time or just, I, I've gotten so many people reaching out to me that I did not expect. And it's been really wonderful. Oh, I love hearing that. That is beautiful. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with our writers? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the other things that took me a really long time to figure out is that there is a difference between a premise and a plot. Um, yeah, that's my, that was my biggest problem for years. Seriously. I always had a great premise. Yeah. And no plot. <laughs> Tell us what that means to you. Yeah. So it's really easy to think of a, a fun premise. Like mm -hmm. you can think of like probably a hundred in 20 minutes if you mm -hmm. let yourself. Um, but it actually has to have something behind it, which I did not realize for a long time. Um, so you need not only the what if question um, that sets up what's going to happen, but then the thing that actually happens. And yeah. I think that is where a lot of writers, including myself, get stuck because it's like, oh, I love this premise. And you start and you get to the point in the book where something else has to happen, where it actually has to go from A to Z. And you're like, I didn't think of any of these other letters in between there. They might not work. Um, and I've noticed it with a lot of published fiction too, of like, there's this really fun premise and then you read the book and it loses it like mm -hmm. pretty early on. And you're like, I think I know what happened here. <laughs> um, it, is, it is something I have done myself. Um, and so just kind of learning the difference between premise and plot and making sure that you always have both was really a game changer for me um, so that I didn't get 10,000, 20,000 words into a story and then realize there wasn't actually a story there. Right, right. I, um, and I'm trying, I was trying to think of a good example from my own books. Um, the Ones Who Matter Most, this woman, this woman's husband dies. They're both young. And she finds out that he has another family across town that she never knew about. And that's all I had. And then I started to write the book and I had nothing, nothing else. I had to fill out 
99% of the rest of the book, right? So I want to put you on the spot just for a moment and you may feel free to set a boundary and say, no, I don't want to talk about this, but I'm so, I'm so intrigued by what you said about the, the fun slash silly idea for your second book. Can you give us the premise of the second book? And then you can say um, like, and then I had to write the rest of the book, but, and you may not be able to. Um, so I, I honestly am not sure what I'm allowed to say. I know that I've been allowed to say that it's an enemies to lovers rom-com. Mm-hmm. It is a, it is about a fake spirit medium, a goat farmer and a ghost. Um, it, premise. I'm hearing premise there. That's great. Yeah. Um, and it started as a Twitter joke I made, uh, back in 2020, October, 2021, uh, I like thought of a really silly pun title and I was like, what would that book be about? And then it just, uh, they did not let me keep that title. Oh, uh, darn that it. oh that's too bad. Uh, yeah. So it, <laughs> it, I think I can probably say that it was, I ain't afraid of no goats. Um, and uh, they oh, didn't yeah. let me keep it longer than I expected. I, we got, pretty far in before they were like, Hey, but seriously, what's it called? (laughs) But it will always be known as that to you. And that is something that you will be able to tell your readers in the letter. And, and what I love about that, and you told me exactly what I wanted was um, this idea, this sparkly, shiny, funny, can I really do it? But then the rest of the book has to be done and accomplished. And that's the, that's the hard part. So Yes. (laughs) Well done. Perfect. What is the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you in your writing career? There have been so many people who have been generous with their time and their advice. Um, Just like when I first started out, um, my former boss's wife, uh, she writes literary fiction and she, she was on the phone with me for like an hour, uh, just giving me advice and um, telling me, you know, this business is a marathon, not a sprint and encouraging me not to give up after my first book wasn't really going anywhere. And um, the, the person who led my first writing workshop I went to gave me really fantastic advice. Um, I didn't want to hear it at the time. I was like, this book is great. What are you talking about? I will never <laughs> like cringe at this. Um, and, but I mean, I, I think the nicest Jasmine Guillory recommended Mrs. Nash's Ashes on the Today Show, which oh, was like nice, way, way beyond anything I ever expected. And it was just so mm-hmm. kind of her. Um, she's been so supportive ever since she read and um, other other fantastic authors, Carly Fortune, Ashley Poston, they've all recommended uh, my book on podcasts and things like that. And every time someone does that, I just feel so much gratitude. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, so many people have been so kind. Like writers are really wonderful really uh, as a group, I think. I completely agree. So speaking of kindness, what's the kindest thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Um, the kindest thing I've ever done for myself as a writer is learning that it's okay to rest. Um, oh, tell me more. I was always, I mean, I was always an overachiever. I was always somebody who wanted to get to the next thing, keep going, keep doing better. Just, um, it was very hard for me to slow down until I kind of hit a wall and realized I needed to, or I would not like be able to function anymore as a human being. And Mm -hmm. um, 
for a long time, I always hit a wall in my writing, usually somewhere between 25 and 50% in. And it lasts anywhere from like a week to a month. I now know this about myself. Mm. My critique partners, my husband, everyone always reminds me as soon as I hit it, they're like, this happens every time you'll get through it. Um, But I used to fight it really hard. I used to try to find my way through it. I used to be like, why isn't this happening and getting really frustrated with myself. And um, last year for the first time when that happened, I was just like, okay, we just, we just wait, we do other things. Like Mm. we go for nice walks and look at pretty birds and Mm. we go drive 30 minutes to the bread bakery and buy some like good bread. And we, spend time with the family and we just don't try to force it as much Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it got me through sooner but it definitely hurt less um so just letting myself take the time to rest when my brain is telling me it's time um has been really nice and something I used to not think I was allowed to do And I think that's one of the gifts of continuing with this profession too, because I don't think, I don't think anyone can learn that except for the hard way, you know, except for running into the same, I call, I call them dips. And, um, I reliably run into my dips, uh, uh, quite a big one at usually 55% of the book and then an enormous one at about 85%. And I forget the 85% one almost 100% of the time. And it's my wife who always has to say, this is the time you stop, stop writing the book. And I can't, I can't, you know. But learning that and then truly allowing the rest. I love the driving to the bread store idea. I really want to now drive to a bread store. There's one about 30 minutes away of my favorite sourdough place. I might, I seriously might do that this afternoon as a little, as a little treat. That's that's lovely. Thank you. What is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? Um, So I just finished um, A Most Agreeable Murder by Julia Seals. It just came out, I think, like last week or two weeks ago. Um, It was so much fun. I kind of picked it up on a whim, but it it reminded me a lot of an India Holton book, who I love. I love her. Um, A Kiwi here in New Zealand. Yeah, Yeah. I I was like, oh, I wonder if India's read this. And then I saw she blurbed it and I was like, okay, she's definitely (laughs) read this. Um, But it just had this really fun mixture of historical and romance and mystery, but with this very playful, silly voice, um, Mm -hmm. lots of really fun jokes. Like the main character's father is like a prankster, uh, which is really fun to see. Like just this, this dad who's like putting whoopee cushions (laughs) under people's seats in, you know, the 18, the 18 teens. Um, (laughs) It's implied that like her youngest sister might be like a werewolf secretly and no one's noticed uh um they have like luminescent frogs in this town it's just a very fun sounds delightful uh, story and I think it's being set up as a series so I'm very excited um to read more of that and um I also just finished reading well rereading a friend's book um Kilt Trip by Alexandra Kylie it's coming out next year what a fantastic um, title. Are you kidding me? How was that not done so 400,000 times already? That's I know. Um, yeah. So that is a contemporary romance about a uh, woman whose job is to like go 
all around the world and help tour companies refine their tours for better business. Mm -hmm. And she goes to this uh, Scottish tour company and tries to change things. And the guy there is like, no way, you can't change this. And so that's like an enemies to lovers fun thing too. But it's just, it's so atmospheric that I'm like, I need to go to Scotland now. Oh, like I really need to go. That sounds um, lovely. So I can't wait for everyone to read that. Awesome. Thank you so much for those recommendations. And now speaking of delightful, wonderful books that we would like to recommend, will you please talk to us about Mrs. Nash's Ashes? <laughs> Thank you. Which is um, just so fun to say, by the way. I mean, it's just. Yeah, uh, that's another title that they 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 wanted to change and then they came back around on it. Um, good. And I'm really glad I got to keep it. My husband actually came up with it right when I started writing it. Um, <laughs> so it's nice that I got to keep that. Um, so it is the story of a woman on a mission to deliver three tablespoons of her elderly best friend's ashes to the woman she fell in love with during World War II. Uh, but all flights are grounded and she's forced instead to road trip to Key West with her ex's grad school rival and chaos ensues. <laughs> we're talking single beds. We're talking hilarity and just a really deep vein of sweetness that I, I think that's what I loved best about it is just, it just felt good to read. And I think that a lot of us these days have been looking for things that feel good to read. And I'm so glad that you're out there on the scene now. So fantastic. Where can we find you? Um, I do have a Twitter, although I'm not there much these days. Um, who knows how long that will continue <laughs> to exist. Um, I'm on Instagram at Sarah Adler writes. Um, the best way to find me probably is my website, www.saradlerwrites.com, uh, which has links to everything else, including my newsletter. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm currently on a social media hiatus, but usually I am very much online. So how is it feeling, the hiatus? It's nice. Um, I have to admit, it's really nice to not endlessly scroll. Um, I'm much more productive. And uh I mean, I feel bad because I'm sure I'm missing a lot of really great news and fun things. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to be reminded that the world goes on without me. It is so good. And you haven't missed anything, believe me. I am I am not on a social media break and I've been on TikTok constantly because I've been sick. And uh, yeah, you're not missing anything. So you can rest assured. We'll let you know if there's something you have to know. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for being on the show, Sarah. This was awesome to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I had such a good time. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.